Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. children, others have bad luck. So folk, we carry on in our series on discipleship, or disciples, and um, we take a look at Peter today. Peter, uh, his name meaning rock, uh, from the Greek word petros, or petra, rock, Um, and it's quite a challenging scene that I want to address with you today as Peter interacts with Jesus. And um, when we first got to Australia at the church I was pastoring, Kazarina Baptist Church up in in Darwin, um, we did a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And the first fruit was love. And I went through this stage where Michael, our little son, was had just turned two And I was wondering whether I loved my son more than I love Jesus. I love, do I love my son more than I love Jesus? And it was a major challenge to me. How do I love Jesus? Because I really love this little guy. He was at the age where I could put him uh, in the car with me. Uh, We'd go to the airport, which was just a kilometer from where we lived, and ate lollies together, clearly, as you can see, uh, we watched the, the airplanes uh, land and take off, and I just, he was just so uh, cute at that particular time, and I thought, wow, this is so good, I love this guy, I'm prepared to die for him, man, and the challenge was, do I love my son more than I love Jesus? Well, this Peter, uh, his original name was Simon, and Jesus gives him the name when he calls him to follow him. He was a grown man at the time when Jesus calls him. We know he was a fisherman, um, came from a town uh, in Galilee. So if you look uh, up on top there, uh, there's Galilee, which is in the northern side of Israel. And Jesus confronts him, uh, you know, in the southern side. And there was this background that, uh, you know, those from the north, like the Samaritans and the Galileans, uh, did not follow uh, what Jerusalem instructed them to do. So they felt they were better than the Jews from Jerusalem, uh, and so they rebelled. They were saying, no, we have our own set of rules. And so Jesus comes to him and uh, commands him to follow him. We know that he was already married because in Mark 1.30 we read Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So disciples are not those who are single only. They are married people. They are men and women uh, who desire to follow Jesus. We also know that he was uneducated. In fact, uh, in in Acts 4.13 we read that that he was unlettered and illiterate. 
you know, because the people were just really amazed how uh, these two men, John and Peter, were able to preach the gospel because it wasn't like them. They were illiterate. They were uneducated. Um, we know that he worked uh, with his father, who was also a fisherman, uh, and they uh, went out and fished. And his brother uh, was Andrew, which uh, we will deal with next week. And so here they come, and they're fishing, and Jesus confronts him and calls him. We also know that from his background that he was just a simple man from, uh, you know, what we call Palestine. Uh, he wasn't part of the wealthy group. In fact, he was uh, what Jewish people would call uh, the Amharez, which were people of the land. Uh, and they were people who um, basically were looked down upon by the Jews because they believed that these particular people were ignorant about the awesomeness of Judaism. And so they did not respect them uh, in any way. They felt that they were, uh, had the spirit of independence and they rebelled against all things from Jerusalem. And so Peter, ironically, after all of that uh, background information, is probably the closest disciple and spokesman for the disciples of Jesus. And uh, you begin to see him after his rough background, uh, turns his back on Jesus, as we'll see uh, shortly. But Jesus goes after him and woos him back. And I want to say this this morning, that there are many of us sitting here today that have uh, grown up in rough situations. Uh, you know, that we cannot uh, accept the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been um, kind of so bad in our own hearts and minds, we think, that, you know, will Jesus ever come after me? Well, unashamedly, can I say, yes, yes, yes. He does come after us, and he woos us to himself. In fact, he, he brings us closer and closer to himself. Peter was a, a man that had changed his heart to follow his master so much that when it came to proclaiming who Jesus was and him being uh, put to a place of martyrdom, he felt that it was not right to be crucified like Jesus. That was the form of martyrdom for him. But he felt that his Savior was crucified uh, right way up, and he felt he should be crucified upside down. That was the change of heart. Here is a man that uh, is bold. Here is a man that has denied Jesus three times. Here is a, a man who's sitting at the enemy's fire and uh, talking that he, uh, how uh, he does not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus comes and calls him to himself. And so we take up that particular passage in John chapter 21, knowing that Jesus had died on the cross, was soon to be ascending to the Father, but has this interaction after his resurrection. And so this pl takes place at the Sea of Galilee while uh, the disciples are fishing. John 21, 15 to 21. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, 
do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Now, folk, that's enough. In hermeneutics, we ask the question, hermeneutics, fancy theological word for, for how we read the scriptures and interpret them. We, we ask the question, why is this happening a second time? In fact, even a third time. The same question. And so, Jesus asks him, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Well, friends, let me try and look at this disciple, Peter, and see how it makes sense in the context of this passage and how Jesus calls him to follow him and come back to him. I think the first point I want to make is that Satan desired to sift Peter, and Satan desires to sift every disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ and you love him, Satan wants to sift you. And what does that word sift mean? Well, in, in Luke 22, verses 31 and 32, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. And, and the word sift there, siniazo, means he, he wants to agitate you in order to overthrow you. He wants to put a stumbling block in your path so you can fall down and not turn to Jesus. If you love Jesus, well, he's going to try and overthrow you. But I have prayed for you, Jesus said, that your faith may not fail. And that word that may not fail uh, it may not pass out or run out. It may not quit. Imagine Jesus says, I have prayed for you. Well, Satan, do your best, man, because Jesus plus another person is in the majority. Jesus has prayed for Peter that his faith will not fail. And when you have turned back, Strengthen your brothers. And the word turn back is an interesting Greek word. Epistrefo means, you know, it's kind of, to, be, to, to use today's language, it's the word vomit. I have, when you've come back to your senses, as it were, you know, when you take something in and it's not good for you, you vomit it out. I'll leave that illustration there. <laughs> when you have turned your back on Jesus and have come to your senses like that prodigal son in Luke 15, 
When you've come to your senses, you come back to Jesus. And what happens when you come back to Jesus? You strengthen your brothers, he says. You strengthen your brothers. Uh, and that word uh, strengthen means to, to make stable, to, ste- to set fast. And that's what a disciple is. He's not just one who comes uh, to follow Jesus. No, he goes the extra mile to strengthen those he comes into contact with, to strengthen those she comes into contact with. That's what discipleship is all about. And so, yes, Peter stumbled. He, f- he fell. He turned his back on the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus woos him back and says to him, listen, I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail because Satan wants to sift you. And can I say this boldly, that he wants to sift each and every one of us. Now that's a reality. It's not negative Christianity. It's a reality. When you're doing something right, Satan is not happy and he wants to sift us. He wants to to cause a stumbling block for us and agitate us so we can fall and so he can overthrow us. And so Peter, in the middle of this conflict, uh, uh, is, is frustrated. His courage fails. Uh, he's, he's disobedient. And uh, his courage fails, but he still has some faith. And so Jesus prays for him. And I know that you and I can, can identify with Peter, that we've perhaps had severe testing, that difficulties have come across our path. And our courage has failed. We don't feel strong anymore. But you know what? Jesus has prayed for us. And will his prayer be answered? Yes, it will be answered. You know, in James chapter 1, verse 2, we read, Consider it pure joy when trials come your way. Lord, but you know, why do we have to have these trials? Well, firstly, uh, consider it joy. It's actually the word... Uh, Chari, which is chara, uh, which is uh, a grace. Consider it a grace when trials, that Greek word for trials, pirazmi. Sadly, it's plural, but the word pyro, fire, when the fires are turned hot, consider it a grace because God is busy doing something amazing in your life. Little did Peter know what was taking place in this conflict, and little do you and I know what's going on in that conflict. God is busy doing something better. Satan tried to sift him. Secondly, it's amazing to read in Luke 22, verse 6, just before, you know, Jesus confronts him about being uh, sifted, that, that Jesus looked at Peter. He looked at Peter, and he looks at every disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus looked at him in that difficult time. Luke twenty two sixty one. the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. That word looked, emblepo, means he looked at with his mind. And so, you know, he when we grew up, mom would shout and scream and throw the slipper at us and we'd catch and throw back, you know. Um, but when dad looked, <laughs> when dad looked, it was over. Jesus, after Peter betrays him, looks at him. He looks at him. With, he looks at him with his mind, didn't say too much. He looked at him to consider what was going on there. And friends, he looks at you and he looks at me. And, and what, what is in that look? 
Well, it's a look, perhaps, of, Lord Jesus, you, you must be so angry with me right now. Lord Jesus, you know, um, you, you must be so disappointed with me right now. Why? Because Peter disowned Jesus three times. And then that word disowned denied him. You know that he, he, he said, I have no acquaintance with this man. No, I don't know him. The one who would speak up for uh, all the other disciples, the one where in, in the, um, the, the Garden of Olives, Garden of Gethsemane, um, <laughs> Peter comes and, and they, or Peter's there when they try to arrest Jesus and Peter goes straight for the soldier's head and, and, but gets his ear instead. This is a zealous Peter. This is a Peter who now disappoints the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus looks at him. Because Peter had lost sight who Jesus was. Jesus would have looked at him and said, Peter, how could you? We've been on this journey before. How could you? In John chapter 14, I think one of the saddest verses in the Bible is found there. Because we read... Uh, Jesus speaking to Philip and says, Philip, I've been among you for three years and you still don't know me. Peter, I've walked with you. You were one of the inner three, as it were. Wow. And you deny me. But I also think that it was a look of pity, a look of compassion, a look of love. Because Peter's heart must have been broken at that time. And so he leaves the enemy's fire and we read that he goes out and, and weeps bitterly. He weeps bitterly. There's two words for cry or weep in the New Testament. This one, uh, he mourns. He, he mourns and, and, and he laments. And the word bitterly um, it's actually the word bikros, which is the equivalent, you know, of lemon juice. When you drink lemon juice, it's bikros, it's sour. And, and there's a, some sort of reaction. There's certainly not a smile. And so he, 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 Peter uh, reacted bitterly and violently because he was cut deep. Because he'd rejected Jesus. He denied Jesus. And Jesus looks at him just as he looks at you and he looks at me. Thirdly, Peter may have thought that he had failed, but God had another plan for him. And friends, to accept the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ is quite a hard thing. But God has a plan for you and for me. We read that, that uh, when when they had, when Jesus had risen from the dead, they said, uh, Jesus spoke to the ladies that were all excited. And Jesus says, go, go tell his disciples and Peter, and Peter. He's going ahead of you in Galilee. There you will see him just as he told. Imagine three bitter days 
the trauma that Peter would have gone through, and rightly so, in those three days. He would have tortured his mind, uh, tortured his heart, how he'd cursed and denied Jesus three times. Yes, he didn't mean it at the time, and he was sorry, but it was too late to tell the Lord Jesus Christ that. And so Jesus meets him along the way. Jesus meets him along the way. And folk, it's interesting to note that, you know, the disciples, mm, I was once one, but now I turn my back, I failed, I've disappointed the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, but folk, God had another plan. And that's so awesome. And that's point number four, that there was forgiveness for Peter and there is forgiveness for every disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ as Jesus had promised on the cross. That he'd, he'd come to set us free and to set us free indeed. And in Luke 24 verses 33 and 34, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord had risen and has appeared to Simon. We don't read what Jesus and Peter spoke about when Jesus appeared to Peter. It must have been a, a private conversation uh, that brought Peter to a, a place of repentance, a place of forgiveness. We don't know where it took place. We don't know how it took place. We don't know exactly when because the Bible doesn't tell us uh, the details of that. But we know that was a, an intensely personal interaction that Jesus had with uh, Peter. And friends, I want to say this, that when we come to Jesus with a heart of remorse, a heart of repentance, and the word repent in Greek, metanio means I was going in one direction and I turn 180 degrees in the other direction. When he comes, when we come with a heart of uh, repentance, God sets us free and forgives us. When, when, when we come to him and say, Lord, forgive me because I've messed up. I've messed up. There is forgiveness. Fifthly, there is this beautiful interaction uh, where Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And friends, it's interesting to note that, that Peter denies Jesus in the city but here in John chapter 21, it's at the Sea of Galilee. It's at the Sea of Galilee. On his own ground, Jesus comes and speaks to him. It's interesting to note that, that in the beginning, uh, where, where Peter denies Jesus three times, around the enemy's fire, Jesus makes a fire for them and cooks breakfast for the disciples. Interesting to note that Jesus doesn't... Uh, uh, you know, confront him in court and say, Peter, you know, you are guilty as well. No. Confronts him around a little fire, this informal place where he knew exactly where Peter was. Now, I think it's important to try and understand why there's this interaction. You might have heard it before. But in the next slide, you'll see that Peter was asked four or three times, do you love me? Now, there are actually eight Greek words for love. Uh, four of them are used 
today, common in the common uh, language, but three of them are used in the scriptures. And those four Greek words are eros, storgi, phileo, and agapi. Now, let me just explain each of them. Eros, uh, meaning that, that the love from a, a physical perspective, the erotic love, the love that unites a man and woman and uh, procreation. Blessed by God in the context of marriage. Love on a physical level. The second one, storhi, the family connotation to love. The love that I uh, have for my son and the love that he has for me. The love that I have for my mother and the love that she has for me. So that family connotation to love. In fact, this word, storhi, doesn't appear in the New Testament. The third one, phileo, is this uh, mateship, if you like. I'm fond of you, high five, you know, it's all good. The fourth one, agapi, uh, which is this, um, the highest level and supreme level of love. The love that's spoken of in 1 Corinthians 13, but interestingly enough, used by Jesus here as he interacts with Peter. And so when in verse 15, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? The Greek word that's used there is the word agapi. Do you love me supremely? Do you love me at the highest level? Because that kind of love is prepared to give itself. Remember in John 15, no greater love is this, that a man give his life for his friend. Peter, do you agapi me? And Peter responds, Lord, you know that I love you. But the word that Peter uses is the word phileo. And so Jesus says to him, feed my sheep. Second time, verse 16, Peter, do you agapi me again? Peter says, Lord, you know that I phileo you. My goodness, will Peter learn? No wonder we often call him the stubborn fisherman. I mean, goodness, second time, Peter, you've messed up. Here is an opportunity for you to come back to Jesus. Lord, you know that I phileo you. I love you as a friend. Third time, Peter, do you love me? But this time Jesus uses the word phileo. Do you even love me as a friend? Do you even love me as a friend? Because earlier on, Peter, you said that uh, in Matthew 14 that, you know what? Nothing will ever be able to separate us. Don't talk about the cross, Jesus. You know these other losers, the disciples, they'll abandon you. Jesus, you and I, we tight. I will never abandon you. I will never deny you. Peter, be careful. Because before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. So Peter, do you even love me as a mate, as a friend? Because you know what? You're not even prepared to be my acquaintance. And Jesus says to him, Oh, Peter responds, says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. You know that I phileo you. And so very powerful words there. Very powerful words. Do you love me supremely, Peter? That's a challenge for you and for me. Do we love Jesus supremely? Or is he just an acquaintance? Well, we come to church because it's Sunday morning at 9.30. During the week, uh, you know, okay. And so Jesus is prepared to forgive 
He's prepared to, to say, Peter, come, there's another opportunity. Come back to me. Not only come back and follow me, but feed my sheep. Feed my lambs, those who are the weakest. Look out for an opportunity to serve them. I love this quote by uh, Erwin Lutzer, who was a pastor of the Moody Church uh, for many years. He retired uh, at the age of 75. Uh, right now, he's, he, he, well, he's been a Christian for 82 years, you know. And uh, he said this. He said, God is able to forget our past. God is able to forget our past. Why can't we? He throws our sins into the depths of the sea and he puts a sign on the shore which reads, no fishing. <laughs> That's the Jesus that we serve. And friends, the problem is not that can he forgive us, can we forgive ourselves? Because when we can forgive ourselves, we can come and say, Lord, forgive me. And from the promises that he's made, he does forgive us. And now that forgiveness comes, he wants us to not only follow him, but to feed those we come into contact with. I suggest to you that's what discipleship is all about. It's journeying together and finding forgiveness in Christ and helping one another to find that forgiveness in Christ. And so when Jesus says, follow me, that Greek word akolutheo is a verb. It's a verb. It means join me. Uh, accompany me on this journey and see what I'm doing. Join me as we journey together. As we journey together. And so, if we love Jesus, we feed his, his sheep. We feed his sheep. And you say to me, well, how do we do that? You know, uh, I'm an elderly person or I'm a young person. How do we feed his sheep? Well, we can... Follow him by being here on a Sunday morning and, and praising God together through singing. We can study his word. We can come to the grit group tomorrow. We can um, uh, allow him to fill us and encourage us. And we can allow him to, uh, to use us as we help others by perhaps feeding them physically and spiritually. We can help by reaching out in the ministries of the church, in, in Sunday school, in, in the youth. We can help there through being a leader in our church, through, through support and care. There are many ministries that take place here at Lakeside. And so our love for Christ will lead us out, not only to follow Him, but to feed His sheep. I love the Greek word parakletos. In John 14, Jesus says to the disciples, don't fear because I will leave you with my comforter, the counselor, the parakletos, one who will come parallel alongside and will breathe fresh heart into you. And Jesus says that we are to encourage one another. And that word encourage, so parakletos, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, Parakletos, parakaleo, one who comes alongside somebody else and encourages those people to breathe fresh heart into them. Well, friends, we know how Peter went on after 
this passage in John 21. He served and he served and he served and is one of the greatest preachers that we read about in Acts, in the, the, the Acts of the Apostles just after the four Gospels. He was so powerful. And so as we serve or as we follow Jesus, he fills us so we can overflow and serve we come uh, serve those who we come into contact with and breathe fresh heart into them and breathe life into them as we spend time with one another on this journey of discipleship wherever you are in your life wherever you are in your life god not only wants you to follow him but to go a little bit further to serve those you come into contact with because of who he is. He did that with Peter clearly. And he asks us the question, do you, not phileo me, do you agape me? Wow, what a challenge. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that You've touched us by your Holy Spirit. You've allowed us to follow you. Not only to follow you, Lord, but to serve you. Lord, what a challenge it is to love you with all that we are and all that we have. Lord, even through difficult times, we believe that you're working. Reveal yourself to us, Lord that we might know that you're at work and we might give you the glory. We commit our lives to you. In Jesus' name.